Hi everybody, how you doing? We're going to get into the episode in just another minute, and don't worry, I'm not about to bombard you with a bunch of commercials about Patreon. Uh, There will be a point in the episode where Lola and I are talking about different UK travel restrictions involving self-isolating and quarantining, and how that might make it difficult or even impossible for someone to be able to teach at the BMXNet conference and the UK APP conference in in September. Um, But I'm really happy to say that uh, shortly after we recorded this episode, the UK updated their their travel restrictions, so uh, it looks like it will be possible. I'll leave some more information to that for the end of the episode if you're interested, but for right now, let's just get into this nice conversation I have with Lola in Glasgow together. You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience. I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. My name is Lola Slider. I am your host for today, and it's my great pleasure to introduce my special guest. Hi, it's just me. It's Ryan. Um, I'm in Glasgow, and we're recording a podcast together next to each other. So, uh, hello, podcast. Um, it's been a little bit weird because for the last, I don't know, year and a half, uh, we've had travel restrictions and we've been parted by an ocean. And um, now I, I, I get to be here and we get to record a podcast together. But uh, like you really have to jump through a lot of hoops to do it. And I thought it would be really good for us to talk about said hoops because we're kind of, we're, we're coming up to the first conference season of pandemic life. Uh, definitely not post pandemic life, but uh, during pandemic life. So in September, there'll be the BMXNet conference in Germany, and then there'll be the UK APP conference in Manchester. And I, I think we, I just wanted to talk about it a little bit because I want people to understand how much uh, logistic hassle really goes into it um to 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 be able to do something like that so do you want to do you want to say anything about some of the the uk app conference stuff you're doing to get ready well um this is obviously the second year that we've been living pandemic life last year the uk app conference was cancelled um and this year uh Last year, we were able to have it postponed to this year because obviously it would have been completely impossible for us to host the event. Yeah. Um, so we were able to have our, our contract moved to this year um, when things are obviously very different in terms of um, access to testing and vaccinations existing yeah. and you know being at, um, administered at, at really, really good levels and um, you know uptake being strong, particularly with, within our community. Um, and, uh, I, I think that this year was just the time to get back to planning conferences in some capacity, um, which is always, I think, going to be really difficult because next year there's still going to be a pandemic. Yeah. The year after that, who knows, but this year isn't the last year of the pandemic, I don't think. And I don't think that next year will be either. I think that, like you say, living with it is a lot more realistic, mm-hmm. um, 
And I think it is going to be quite a, a lot longer than people think before it's like not labeled as a pandemic anymore. Um, so it's a little bit scary being one of the first kind of events to take place within the community in person um, after the wave of cancellations that have happened for the last year and a half. But yeah. um, given that we had the the venue and we had the contract for the premises, um, it seemed like kind of the time to jump back in and, and try and put on an enjoyable event for people to reconnect at. There's, there's a big part of me that will think for, for a while still, um, is this too soon? Uh, should it be pushed off? Can it be pushed off? All that stuff. But there's also probably a bigger part of me that's like, well, you know, do we wait five years before we go back to our lives or, or whatever? And I don't want to be reckless about it. Um, and, and one of the big things that I wanted to talk about isn't just that it's happening, but the safety measures that are going into it or, and the logistics measures that are going into it for it to be able to, to happen. Um, vaccinations are becoming more widespread. And I know that there are going to be some people out there that are like, I ain't getting no vaccination. And like, you know, make your own decision. I got vaccinated. You're in the process of getting vaccinated. You've got your first shot and you'll have a second shot by the time conference comes around. Um, there'll still be some sort of elements of social distancing. There'll be some sort of elements of masking, uh, all that stuff. But so just to, just to kind of explain I want to explain a little bit of what it took for me to be here to be able to do this. Um, but I also want to talk about what it's going to take for me to be able to be at a conference to teach a class to the, the, the public. So for me to be here now, to be in Glasgow in July, um, <clears throat> to start, I have to get a test at home. I have to get a test at home within uh, the three days prior to, to arriving in the UK. So um, two days before I, I left, I got a COVID test. I had to print out my results. The entire- It's PCR test for you coming, isn't it? PCR test, yeah. Um, so it's not something that I can just self-administer a, a test. I have to go to a, a lab, get tested. Uh, I have to print out the results, bring them to the airport. Um, the entirety of my time within transit, I have to be masked, um, which, you know, I, I'm used to, I'm used to mask life tests, not, not that big of a deal. So that's not much of a problem, especially like leaving home, uh, in the U S I have access to free testing and that's the end of the free stuff for, for these trips for me. So, uh, the entirety of my, my transit time, which is significant, uh, I have to be masked. And then once I arrive into the UK, I have to self-isolate for the first 10 days that I'm, that I'm here. Um, and before I can even board that flight to enter the UK, I have to book a testing package, um, a, a test on day two and a test on day eight during that 10 days of isolation. And I have to pay for that out of pocket. That is not something that I can get access to with um, US testing with US health insurance or with national health service uh, testing within the UK. So I have to pay for that out of pocket, which is 215 pounds for the day two and day eight test. And I can't even board the flight 
without filling out a passenger locator form for the UK, which requires me to enter the confirmation code for me booking that testing package. So uh, 200, can you do the math for that in your head? What's 215 pounds roughly in dollars? About $290, I would think. Go on, see how close I am. Yeah, $298. Oh, it's $298. And that's not even all the testing. So that's not all. then that's not all folks. Um, so what I have to do is I have to pre-buy that test. It gets shipped to Lola's flat. And then while I'm here, I have to take a self-administered test, mail it into a laboratory, and then they update the passenger locator information for the government tracking. And they also send me a, a result. So that, that came back negative, which is not unexpected. Um, but I am getting ready to uh, fly home tomorrow. And in order to do that today, we had to leave isolation and go to a, a testing site. And I have to, uh, you know, obviously be masked when I'm out and about to go to the testing site. They administer a test and I just got my results via email uh, that I'm, I'm negative. So now I have to show that to be able to board my flight home to the US tomorrow. So, so it's four tests. Oh yeah, and I had to, that, that return test, I have to pay out of pocket, which is 65 pounds, which is, what's your guess? Oh, about $90. $90, so that's almost $400 of testing. So you have to have four tests done within less than two weeks. Yeah. Three of them are out of pocket. Yeah. And you're also fully vaccinated. And um, uh, yeah, and I'm already fully vaccinated. Yeah. But the thing is, is that the National Health Service doesn't recognize my right. vaccination because it was done through the U.S. system. Yeah, and they have no system. They, they have no infrastructure yeah. in place for recognizing that you're vaccinated. Right, because all I have is that card, the, the paper card. card. Well, you, you don't have a quick, well, but you have a record for the NHS. Somewhere. Somewhere, yeah. Um, so that's what I'm going to have to do. To, to come over for UK APP. Um, I would love to be able to do both BMXNet and UK APP because that's typically how they're, they're booked. That's why they're, they're typically uh, booked so close together because they share a lot of the same instructors and it's cheaper to be able to just fly over to, to Europe and then to fly home rather than back and forth each time. But I, I, I can't do that. The UK has a system, green list, amber list, red list, and um, Germany and the United States are on UK's AMBER list. So that means uh, to enter the, the United Kingdom from the US or from Germany requires 10 days of isolation before you can break isolation to, let's say, teach at a public event. So that would preclude me, unfortunately, from being able to do BMXNet. Uh, I, I might be doing uh, some remote work for BMXNet. I would love to be there in person, but. Uh, I, I committed to the UK APP conference quite a while ago already, um, and I have to be able to, to honor that, that commitment. So I can't do BMXNet in person, which I would love to do, but I don't have the, the additional 10 days for isolation. And even if I did, I, I might not be able to afford that because that would be almost three weeks away from my shop and away from work. And as it stands now, just to do UK APP, I'm going to have to be away from work for two weeks. I'm going to have to do four tests and 10 days of isolation to be able to teach at UK APP. I would keep as many fingers crossed as possible that the US will be bumped onto the green list before That's conference. The That's the hope. But we're only about six weeks away, roughly, from UK APP. 
Eight weeks. Eight, well, seven, let's say seven weeks. Let's, <laughs> let's split the difference. Metric conversion. So um, the 26th of September. Yeah. Okay, whatever. So, uh, oh, seven, wait, this doesn't, this doesn't get posted when we fit, when we record it, does it? It's irrelevant. Oh, well, you're, you're right. But still, let's say, let's say seven weeks from when this posts. Um, so the UK, uh, the U S just bumped their, uh, travel warning, um, for the UK up a level, not down a level. So it's, it's not very likely that the UK will bump either the US or Germany onto their green list uh, in time for conference. If it does happen, I'll be at BMXnet, uh, definitely. Like I wouldn't miss it, even if I have to pay some more out of pocket to do it myself, I won't miss that. But as it stands right now, I can only afford to do one. Um, so yeah, when, when people uh, get frustrated online and they're like, oh, I can't believe, you know, they might only have these instructors or only these classes or only this or only that. Like you have to realize the logistics that are going into this. You have to realize like when people um, throw criticism at the UK APP, how many people, as far as administration, is the UK APP? Six people? Yeah. Six people is the UK APP administration, uh, all volunteering their time, all volunteering their efforts. And it's a lot of time and efforts. I think that... Um one of the big differences this year is every year we try and do better than the last year, you know, like bigger, more classes, more speakers, more vendors. Every year, it's just a, a bigger event. Um, so I think that going back to it this year, it was challenging because there was that desire to deliver something bigger. Mm -hmm. And then the realization that like, even just delivering what we would normally, it's going to be almost impossible. Um, so we're currently working on, um, multiple versions of scenarios, um, which kind of, it, it's weird because it makes this the hardest conference that we've ever been involved in planning because really we're planning multiple conferences in tandem yeah. and just changing everything in accordance to however the government is feeling that day. Mm -hmm. um, it's just literally that quick, which is why everything has been, you know, ticket sales are a lot more last minute and, and um, everything is a lot more last minute because we're trying to get the most accurate information possible. Um, I'm still hopeful that uh, people from the US will be permitted to uh, instruct um, if they have proof of quarantine, oh, sorry, not quarantine, a vaccination, mm -hmm. um, because uh, you know there are other countries that are starting to accept things like proof of vaccination. And, you know, my opinion of it is very different from the opinion of a lot of other people, because I think we've been really close to the subject for so long because of our situation. Mm -hmm. It's like every article, everything that's been published relating to transatlantic travel, like we've read or I've read. Yeah. And, and like at this point, stayed up at night stressing over. Yeah. And at this point, I think it is um, it's kind of weird to see how easy it is for um, the news to, I don't know, man manipulate people into to feeling a certain way about things. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think at this point, like I completely agree that, you know, travel should be as safe as possible and there should be testing and there should be proof of vaccination. But the current restrictions that are in place, um, I mean, to think that they're anything other than politically motivated, I think at this point is, I just, I can't get on board with it. Um, if you can go to a if you can go to a sporting event, if you can go to a movie theater, if you can go to a packed shopping center 
without a face mask and without, I don't know, any sort of additional safety measures. Like I, it's just so frustrating. Like I, you gotta, you gotta think of it this way for anyone to be able to board a plane to go anywhere within a nation or across borders, like you have to get tested. So it's like everybody in an airport is negative, is COVID negative, like all, all of those things. And it's like, I could get it. It's like, maybe if you had a five day or, or something like that, but it's just so backbreaking. It's just so, I mean, it's elitist and, and there, there's a huge financial aspect to it. Mm-hmm. If I didn't have the financial flexibility to be able to pay for $400 worth of testing and take all that time off of work, I wouldn't be able to be well, here with my partner. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. Like, it's not that I'm saying that things should just be open and people should just be allowed to travel. Sure. But all of the situations that have been created to allow people to travel have been done so just with like, basically so that people that have lots of money are important in some way are allowed to do it and everybody else isn't. It seems like a lot of the, not to get too political about it, but it seems like a lot of the the COVID restrictions and, and rules and whatever issued by the UK, issued by the Scottish government, issued by the US government, the state department, whatever, it's, it's, it's a PR thing so that people feel like, oh yeah, you know, like th- those, those people from another nation aren't going to be able to come here and get me sick. But you can skirt around all of that stuff if you just have enough money to like skirt around it and, and jump through the hoops. Uh, so it's, it's very frustrating that the people who just want to learn and just want to go to a class and just want to have a little bit of fellowship or whatever, um, they're the ones who have to they're, they're the ones who are penalized for all this stuff. Um, so realize that like, you know, I'm going to be there. I'm going to do my best to, to be there. Uh, I, I completely feel heartbroken that I can't do BMXnet. Um, but, you know, we're, we're, we're doing as much as we can. Um, I, I had to miss, it's been three years since I've been able to teach at the UK APP conference. Last year was canceled because of very viable things, uh, you know, COVID being at close to its peak. Um, the year before that, I had my personal troubles and, you know, not to get too into it, I had a, a family member end up in critical care in the hospital. And um, I found out when I touched down in London, I flew from Boston and I was going to Manchester, I touched down in London and turned my phone on to start to get all those messages and see all that social media news of like, Hey, I'm heading to UK APP, but my phone just blew up with like my family being like, you have to come home right now. Your mother's in the hospital and you know, we don't know what's going to happen. So I had to have like a complete panic attack, turn around, literally, literally um, go home and deal with a miserable scenario in a hospital rather than be at the UK APP conference in 2019. So I haven't been able to teach at UK ABP since 2018. So uh, I, I really felt like it was something I had to do this year. I had to be there and you know, I wanted to be with you and, and support you. Um, but it just, oh, if it could just be a little bit easier, if it could just be a little bit more rational, a little bit more fair, a little bit more sane. Well, see, this is the part of me that is still hopeful that things can change because they're not rational and they don't make sense and they're not based in any kind of transparency. Yeah. So you never know. I don't, I don't know why it is that it's, I'm still not allowed to, under any circumstances to travel to the US. Yeah. Um, that's been... Um, Again, something that's been an issue throughout the entire 
pandemic is I've, I've not been able to come and see you at any point, even, you know, when things have been better, when things have been worse with isolation, with testing, with quarantining, there's been no option for that. Yeah. Um, so you coming here and jumping through all the hoops and doing all the tests has been like the only way that we've been able to see each other yeah. at all in person in the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's frustrating because a lot, like almost the entire narrative surrounding travel is about, well, people just want to go on holiday. Well, they should just not go on holiday yeah. because there's a pandemic happening. Yeah. And our situation, even though it's been shit, we're still like, in the beneficial position of just having each other to worry mm-hmm. about. But, you know, I've been in like forums and things that share information about travel issues and travel restrictions because they change so much yeah. to get all the most up-to-date news and information. And there are so many people that have like children they're separated from, people that have cancer they're separated from, mm-hmm. people that literally can't actually get married or get engaged or get the visas to do those things because even though you can still submit applications for that, um, the the embassy or whoever it is that deals with those applications in the UK at least just shut down their services yeah. um, and stopped processing applications. Um, obviously, anything other than I would guess essential work or yeah, essential work like footballers. <laughs> yeah, so that kind of stuff. which is not us. So um, like, people out there, even in our situation, it could be so much worse. Yeah at least I can be here now. I mean, having to do what I had to do and like live in this flat and uh, lots of, lots of takeout and being able to miss out on just like the, the little things that like sweeten life. Uh, it's, it's, it's difficult. And like, I don't want to make it seem like we have a bad scenario because we don't, because I'm here right now. And that's, that's amazing. Uh, but there are other people, uh, children being born, people living, people dying, uh, and there's there's nothing that can be there's nothing that can be done yeah. to see their loved ones across across a border right now. Like and if it's something happened tough. to you in America, I couldn't be able to go and see you. You could yeah. literally die back at home, and I wouldn't be allowed to go to your funeral or anything. Let's let's try to not. To, well, yeah. no, I'm just saying as an example, like that, that sure. happens to people. Yeah, and there's like, but you know, I think a lot of the time the news just portrays it as like a oh, just selfish people want to go to the you beach. want to go to the beach, yeah which is like, you know, kind of devastating for like hundreds of thousands of separated families. Well, <laughs> let's pivot. Well, like I said, we've been obsessing with this issue for like 18 months now. So it's difficult to not feel certain things about it. It's also something that we live with, with our, our daily lives. And we're desensitized to the the misery of the logistics. Like we talk about it, we plan we're constantly like updating and checking and all that stuff. So for us, it doesn't seem that crazy. I have talked to other friends back home who have long distance relationships across borders. And, um, you know, you, you're plugged into like a lot of different forums where people are talking about it. And it's just like, there, there's, there's, there's no option for some people. Um, so for us to be able to run down options, just to be able to see each other in a relationship is one thing. And then something that a government is going to consider non-essential, like, you know, body piercing education, uh, but we consider it essential, like just trying to do whatever we can to, to make it happen and make it a reality is, is not easy. So um, go easy on, on the UK, the UK, the six people that are the UK APP, they're trying very hard. And I know that there are people out there in forums who are going to be like, man, you're not trying hard enough. It's like, well, volunteer to help or just cool it. Basically, if you don't want this to be a remote conference yet again, either volunteer or just like 
be happy with the massive amount of work that's going to go into what you get this year. I think sometimes um, people confuse the concept of being supportive and engaging mm-hmm. with just, you know, blindly ignoring things that bother you. Yeah. And that's something I always try and stress with UKPP stuff. Like, I don't want anyone to do me any favors. Neither does anyone else on the board. Nobody wants you to be extra nice to them. Nobody even wants you to be nice to them, period. Just communicate if you're feeling a certain thing, if you have certain worries, if there's something that you're thinking, hey, how's this going to work? Send any board member an email um, and they'll be happy to like engage with you and discuss it with you via email. An important thing um, to say, though, is sending a personal message. Like if I send a, a Facebook message to Lola, that's not the same thing as telling the UK APP president. Emailing president at safepiercing dot whatever the fuck. Uh, that's how you do it. So, but like, I don't want to, I don't want to go too far down that no, thing where we're that. like scolding I'm just, I'm just saying when you say things like, oh, go easy on the UK APP, it's like, it's not that I want or, oh, or no. anyone on the board wants any kind of favor. No, no, no. Hold the I UK APP accountable. Right. But yeah. realize that they're human beings and they're volunteers. You just have to communicate to do that. Yeah. Like if there's, if there's something the matter, if there's something that you want to talk about or, or an idea even, or, or something that you think would be beneficial, like we would love to hear it. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I know it's frustrating and whatever it, I get, I get, I get frustrated. I get frustrated at organizations, at groups. Um, but I have the perspective of, well, I'll just roll up my sleeves and see if I can help in some sort of way, but whatever. I don't want to scold people over that. Everybody's free and and entitled to their own opinions. At a certain point though, it's like, I'm just going to probably not value your opinion (laughs) so much because you're very cruel online, but whatever. Um, So UK APP is happening one way or the other. I'm going to do my very best to be there. And that's probably going to mean me taking two weeks off of work to teach for let's say two days. Uh, it's a lot of out-of-pocket expense, which hopefully will be, you know, absorbed by one of these organizations, but one way or the other, I'm, I'm going to be there. So, um, other people are going to be in the same scenario too. Uh, conferences are going to be different. BMX is going to be different because of limitations for instructors. UK APP is going to be different for limitations of instructors, but realize that it's not just people being lazy. So, yeah. Anything else you want to talk about with that stuff? Really? I mean, like, I, I don't, I don't want to make statements for the board or anything like that. Yeah. Um, putting a couple things out there early that uh, you might want to think about if you are within that, that UK market, if you are a, a UK APP member, there's going to be an election coming up. So if you feel like you're one of the people that might be able to help move the organization forward, um, a few people are, are stepping out of their board roles. Lola is, is one of them. Lola will be leaving her position as president. Uh, along with a few other uh, board representative board board members. So um, if you're a a UK APP member, now's the time for you to step up. Now's the time for you to say, hey, I have some some great ideas. I would love to become engaged with maybe the the medical community, maybe the the regulatory communities, maybe different communities within the the, the overall piercing community uh, itself. If you feel like you have something to contribute, if you feel like um, you have some ideas and you have some energy and and you want to roll your sleeves up and help with the organization, there's going to be an election cycle coming up for the UK APP membership. That's right. August 1st. August 1st. Um, 
I want to say that uh, I'm really proud of the UK APP organization for having the LGBTQIA+ uh, plus uh, community. Uh, you did a scholarship, and um, I, I really think that's a fantastic thing, and that's going to help somebody get to conference. Yeah, and just to like clarify a couple of things about the the new LGBTQIA scholarship, um, the the concept of it, kind of similar to the ALD scholarship, um, is to give financial aid to a piercer who maybe otherwise wouldn't have been able to attend conference or maybe wouldn't have been able to attend it without it being really detrimental to their financial right. stability. Right. Um, the scholarship includes accommodation and a full conference pass. Um, you just have to get yourself to the event. Um, and uh, in exchange, you have to do... Uh, some volunteer work with uh, a team of other volunteers um, coordinated by Sean, um, uh, who will be making allowances for the volunteers to attend all, if not as many as possible, of their chosen classes mm -hmm. to make sure they still get the best conference experience. And um, the idea behind doing uh, the LGBTQIA plus scholarship was just to make sure that people from within that community were getting opportunities within the piercing community for mm -hmm. educational advancement, given that, you know, a lot of studios where people start out aren't always the most inclusive that they can be mm -hmm. um, to people from those communities. So it can result in them maybe not advancing as quickly or as much as they should be compared to some of their counterparts um, of equal experience and skill. Yeah. So um, that's where the, the LGBTQIA plus scholarship comes from. And it is honor based. You're not going to have to explain like what type of identity you have or anything like that. You're not going to have um, to prove your cred. Yeah, we're not. We're, you're not going to have to like say what it is that you identify as, as long as you're a member of that community. You identify as a member of that community. You know, you don't have to share any information about that, and you also don't have to have your identity shared as the recipient of the scholarship if you're not comfortable with that. Yeah, you can just. Um, you're a volunteer. Like, if if there are people who would like to share the fact that they have. Um, you know, got the scholarship because they're just excited about it and proud of it. You know, we would love to like share our excitement for them as well. Um, so we, we would love to do that. But if somebody would rather just not have certain aspects of their life shared and, and you know, for lack of a better word, exploited in any public way, mm. um, you know, we, we can offer complete anonymity to anybody that, that gets the scholarship or complete promotion depending on what they want yeah i think it's just a really good way to even if it's quiet and even if no one knows just to know that you supported that person and got that person to conference when otherwise they would be sitting at home yeah the main thing is that we get them there doesn't yeah. matter if anyone sees it right yeah uh you know when, when it comes to the the aldi scholarships and, and other scholarships like it, it's really life-changing it's career changing so it's important to be able to, to stop and realize like, hey, if you have privileges or if you have access that someone else doesn't, um, it's kind of your obligation as you know a human being to, to kind of share that privilege and share that access for the betterment of other, other people and not just the betterment of yourself. Um, what am I supposed to be teaching at UK EPP again? I completely forgot what I'm supposed to be teaching. You were doing an open techniques workshop. Yeah. 
um, which is basically where um, people can come along to the workshop with you and we can have some props and things, you know, like needles right. and blanks. And I stole that idea from the, um, the, the members only open techniques classes at the APP conference. When I wasn't a member, um, I never really saw it as like elitist because I saw it very firmly as like, well, this is a members only class. So that should be an incentive for you to become a member. I never saw it as like, well, it should be for everybody. And it's like, well, then, you know, what's the point of membership? But um, I want to, I want to kind of take some of that and just share it to general public. It's not going to be UK APP membership only or APP membership only. It's going to be open techniques workshop and there won't be any live piercing, but uh, it'll be basically everything but the the pushy pushy needle pokey part. So I'll be able to show, hey, how do you mark paired nostrils? Or actually, maybe I should have somebody show me how to do it. Didn't we do this the last year? Um, not last year, but the year before. Weren't you going to do it? And then, because I didn't. Your classes went ahead with substitute teachers. Oh, for, for, I don't fucking. I don't remember. Um, I remember Baron stepped up and helped. Alex stepped up and helped. Yeah, and yeah. Baron and I. I'm sure did your open tech something similar to um, an open techniques workshop where we were using blanks and, and things to show how we would do piercings and how we would do certain types of tissue bracing. Yeah. So that was a class you were going to do, but you never got to do it. Right. You people had to settle for literally me having a little, you know, those little notebooks that say Radisson there on the nightstand in the hotel, mm. just lit scribbles on that. And I just put them down mm. and I was just like, right, we're going to, do some stuff with some blanks here. Um, well, my, my, my vision is if we can figure it out on an AV sense, I'm going to bring a nice camera and a tripod and then I'll, I'll have a model and I'll show, Hey, this is how I would mark X, Y, or Z. This is how I would prep the skin, drape the skin. This is how I would uh, perform a septum or a whatever. I'll have some blanks and it'll be all that stuff. And it's like, you'll be able to put it together as a body piercer to, to fill in the blanks and maybe kind of, it's not, to say like, this is, I'm gonna show you everything 100% of how to do it. It's really just like, let's let's fill in the blanks or that missing puzzle piece for you. And I've found that so massively important for, the, for my progress and growth as a body piercer. When I became a member and I had access to those open techniques at the APP conference, like I learned career changing, game changing stuff for me from someone just like, just showing me a hand motion or how they hold a certain tool or how they brace a certain kind of tissue or body part or, or whatever. It's been, massively important. And I want to just be able to talk about that and share. And um, I've seen so many other methods for how other people do it that I want to be able to share those as well. Not just, hey, how, this is how Ryan does it, but like, hey, if you're talking about a septum, let me show you the four or five different ways that have been explained to me. I'll show you the ones that work for me, but I'll show you the ones that I think I have a good understanding on of how someone else does it too. And then maybe you'll find that missing piece of the puzzle for you. Uh, and then I'm going to do one that's all about draping. skin preparation and draping. Um, I did a draping class. Hey, this is a good time to plug my Patreon. Um, I had a new class come out on Patreon all about draping where I showed not necessarily how to prep. There is a little bit of prep information, but like, you know, what do you do once the skin is prepped? Once you have your sterile gloves on, if you want to apply a drape over an area and different types of drapes, I made a, a new class about that. It's an hour and a half long patreon.com slash Ryan PBA. And I put in some bonus material too, where it shows me um, start to finish, you know, cleaning, draping and piercing a couple different nipples, one with iodine, one with PCMX, uh, a septum, a nostril, really showing how I, how I put all those elements together. 
prep and draping and piercing to, to prevent cross-contamination or to limit cross-contamination as much as possible. So that's available now, patreon.com slash Ryan PBA, blah, blah, blah. But uh, that was kind of right around the time where I needed to come up with a good class for UK APP. So I thought, well, why don't we take that little bit of draping information without getting too much into the nerdy information that's on the Patreon class, but really showing the the how you can do it, the practical elements of like, if you're going to be cleaning a nostril, how do you really clean the nostril? Like how large of an area inside and outside, if you're draping, does it cover, you know, the part of the face or just, you know, like a, an underside of the anatomy? And then how are you actually piercing to prevent cross-contamination? So I want to actually show those things, but I'll also be explaining some of the science and the data behind it with the slideshow presentation. That'll be really good for people who forgot about drape. Ah, <sighs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I love your awful puns, especially in the UK. Like, I don't know what you mean by that. It's like, the, speaking of which, we've been watching the Olympics while I'm in isolation. Um, it's really interesting. Who did we just see win uh, the the male gymnastics? Well, was um, it, it was someone from the Russian Olympic Committee? No, Japan was first. Japan was first. Then second was China. And then Chao Roting, who was my pick, but came in with silver on male gymnastics. And then third was Russia, Russia. the Russian Olympic Committee. So um, we'll leave our criticisms for the skateboarding competition aside. Didn't really seem all that Olympic, but okay. Uh, but we, you know, we watched a bunch of other Olympics. And what was I rolling this around to with something else just a second ago? Something about competition. I don't remember. It was like 30 seconds and I forgot it. Anyway, we've been watching the Olympics. And it's great. We watched um, Annabelle Part Three, uh, Return of the. What's that couple's name? Um, I'm conjuring. Warrens. Warrens. The Warrens. Why don't my brain work? Uh, anyway, <laughs> no, but that's what it was. Uh, uh, puns should be an Olympic competition. The UK could just clean up basically gold medal every year for bad puns or like Simpsons references. So, you ever heard of Tim Vine? No. He's an English comedian who just does puns. Yeah. And he holds the, the Guinness Book of World Records title for the most puns told in a minute. And then um, he's he's just uh, there's no, there's no end to that story. He's just Tim Vine. Tim Vine's great. That's a great story. Um, so uh, we've kind of stopped talking about the UK APP uh, conference and, and things related to that. I wanted to talk about a couple of classes that I'll be doing. Um, I'm going to be doing another one of my Zoom classes. And those are the, the the classes that I've been doing over the last like year and a half, basically through all this like pandemic mess. I've been doing lots of free classes, uh, a handful of paid classes. I'll be having what might potentially be my last pandemic paid class over Zoom. I'll be doing uh, my understanding and applying bevel theory class on Sunday, August 8th. So if you missed out on previous ones, if you are looking for bevel theory to get a little bit more explanation on like, well, what, what does that even mean? The concept of bevel up or bevel down, or if you're a piercer who understands bevel theory, but you don't yet understand needle modification, like needle crushing, that's what the whole thing is going to be about. I'm going to do a whole slideshow presentation that I've really refined and like, not to like, you know, toot toot my own horn, but I think it's a pretty decent class for the, the money at this point. Um, I'm going to be talking all about the physics behind how a needle works. Uh, and I'll be talking a lot more in, in this one, a lot of different updates and um, new information about 
needle crushing, needle modification, how you apply that, how you actually use that, the tools and all that stuff. But it's not going to be just a, a, a slideshow presentation. It's also going to be a workshop portion. So there's a list of some supplies that you might want to have, like bananas, piercing needles, a couple other things that are very easy access for body piercers. But I'm really going to be dialing it in. So it's not just going to be me explaining it and you hopefully getting it. Like I, I make sure that everybody gets it by the end. And uh, you know, it'll, it, a lot of hands-on stuff where you can really like see it and feel it. And then you can start rolling that into your practices at, at your shop. So that'll be Sunday, August 8th. That is for professional piercers only, but piercers of any skill level. I don't, I don't care where you are in your career, as long as you're in a studio while you're doing it. That's really the only important part. So all you need to do is prove that you're working in a studio. It doesn't take much. I'll accept apprentices. I'll accept people who have been in the game for, for 20 years. You just need to have something that says like, hey, I work in this studio and I can prove it. And that's it. So it's going to be, um, you know, open to piercers of all skill levels. And if you're a subscriber of mine on Patreon, I'm basically going to give you one month subscription as a discount. So if you're on that Archmage tier to get access to the draping class and all the other on-demand content, you're going to get a $15 discount off of that $100 class. So uh, it comes out to really affordable for a body piercer. You get a lot of information for it. And like, I, I don't want to be nickel and diming people, but you know, I just want to be paying my bills. So you've taken my I mean, all of my classes, basically at this point, I appreciate all your support. What do you think of my Bella Theory class? And say it as just Lola body piercer, not Lola's, uh, you know, towards her boyfriend, right? Which is I, Ryan Willett. Um, well, uh, yeah, I've been to a few iterations of it. And I, I think that you've um, definitely refined the format really well, because it was a class that you taught in person over and over again um, for like a year, two years? Well, on the road, about two years. It was something that you had taught in person many times, and it is a practical hands-on class. So I remember 18 months ago when you did the first online version of it, there was still a lot to iron out in terms of how is this going to work. And I know that you've invested a lot of time and money in the past few months on new equipment and things like, you know, lighting and um you know better quality camera and and all that kind of stuff yeah. to try and just make sure that people can see as clearly as possible mm -hmm. um and i think that it's good that you have the the actual presentation to go over all of the actual like concept behind everything yeah and then there is very much still a workshop and you do communicate individually with each person at the workshop so it's not a kind of follow along with me and fuck you if you get lost kind of thing. Um, you do kind of like, uh, you know, people can ask questions and you know, after the presentation, they can unmute their microphones. So it is very interactive. Yeah. So I think if someone hasn't done it and they're wondering how it's going to work, you have been able to like modify and refine it to be a very interactive Zoom class. It's not just turn it on and sit yeah. and vegetate. It is That's the main reason being involved. why with this topic, uh, specifically, like I, I don't want to record it and just stick it online and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can just watch this on demand thing because like it needs to be tailored to the individual. You need to be able to ask questions and get an answer to your question and not just hear me say it because then, you know, I could just, I could just publish a, a book on it and then you, you'd read it and then be like, oh, okay. I think they're the real the real like magic of learning something in body piercing and especially something that like you might have gotten part of it but like there's a missing element to it it's this it's the interaction it's like the one-on-one -on -one interaction ask me a question and i will explain 
my interpretation of the answer to your question. And then we'll do workshop parts and I'll be like, okay, you're doing it this way. Try it this way. I can watch you do something and I can give you feedback on it and say, why don't you try this? Or why don't you try holding the needle this way or making this motion, um, which is as close as it gets to one-on-one -on -one in person training as I can possibly do over zoom. And that's, that's the reason why I don't want to just have a recording available that somebody can, can just watch whenever, because it needs to be interactive. I think you do a good job of like fostering an environment where people feel comfortable to ask questions because mm -hmm. you know they do ask questions and lots of people will at that point during the workshop element be like okay Ryan my thing's coming out like this why is it coming out like this yeah and I think that it's really really a sign that you've done a good job if at the end there are questions mm -hmm. and there are people interacting um, and I think that's something that's been missing from the in-person classes, not being present, because yeah. there are so many times that after an in-person class, you know, people won't put up their hands. But when the class ends, they'll go over and talk to the speaker and say, mm -hmm. hey, I didn't want to ask in front of everyone else because I didn't want to look like, you know, the only person that didn't know, which is very rarely the case. Right. So, like, I think that's something that's going to be really nice about having in-person teaching again is that ability to like go up to someone that you might not want to message out of the blue on the internet yeah. at an event and just say like, I had a specific question. And um, I think that that's going to be like really exciting to come back. Um, but I think that it's also a sign that you do a really, really good rendition of your class online that people are, are comfortable, um, you know, like at the end of your presentation and at the end of the workshop, actually engaging with you yeah. because at the end of the day, it's their money. So and you can ask me a question privately. The way Zoom works is you can yeah. send a message, a text-based message in the chat window. You can send that directly to me and then I can explain the answer and I don't have to mention your name. So you never, I, I would never want this to be a point of judgment where someone, like when I say, I'll accept anyone from apprentice to you know, 10 or more years into it. I don't want anyone to feel self-conscious about it and, and feel silly like, you know, oh, I don't already know this. I'm, I'm less than or whatever. That's never what it's about. It's always like, we're all body piercers. Sure, we can have different skill levels, but like we're all capable of the same thing. What one person can do, another person can do. You just have to kind of, you have to get that key to unlock the door and that's it. And what I try to do is help unlock that door for as many people as possible. Because once you kind of get past that, that hurdle, bevel theory unlocks so much in your career as a body piercer. And it was, it was the biggest game. It was the single biggest game changer to my uh, craft as a body piercer. Well, I think, I think that the class is going to be good. I think that um, you, do, you do a good job with it. And I think that you really try and get across the sense that, you know, I'm here to work for you. You're, you're paying money for this. So put me to work. Yeah. Ask me as much as you want to ask me. Yeah. And I've seen your classes run for three or four hours before you get to a point where it's like, okay, we need to start winding this down, mm -hmm. but you can still, I'm a flibberty gibbet. You can still message me. You can still email me. So even then it doesn't close a door, Yeah. but you really do try and exhaust everybody in attendance, giving them the option to ask as much as they want to ask. Right. So I think that it's good that you don't shy away from the fact that like, you know, this is, this is work for me. Like part of my, my income is doing these classes. So like just in the same as any other aspect of your work, you have to be there for the people that are supporting you financially. So I think yeah. you do a really good job of doing that. Thank you. Give me a kiss. Okay. You give me a kiss. Getting you all these kisses. Uh -huh. All right, fine. Um, so 
That being said, Zoom, Sunday, August 8th, uh, you can sign up by, if you want, you can just cut to the chase and email me at ryanpba.gmail.com and I'll get you set up. But you can also go to the Body Art Education by Ryan Willett Facebook page. You can also go to precisionbodyarts.com slash seminars. And I'll also post the link to the registration page right in the, um, the, the, what are they called? The notes of this episode. So if you're listening to it on Spotify or iTunes or whatever, like right in the little description of the episode, there'll be a link to the registration for this class. Uh, it's $100, but you do get that Patreon discount. So if you're not already a Patreon follower, supporter, whatever, sign up for a month of Patreon. And it's like getting that month for free, basically, because I'm going to give you that same uh, subscription amount in a, uh, in a discount. Um, a really big thing. Uh, which is going to be kind of a, an experiment, a, a test for me, but um, I'm really excited to say that I'm going to be doing my first live and in-person class again on Monday, September 6th in Chicago or like the Chicago area. It's going to be in, in Schaumburg, which uh, if you live around Chicago, you know it is Chicagoland, but uh, it's going to be live on Labor Day, Monday, September 6th. I will be in town and I'm going to do a class. Uh, so if you want to come to it, uh, same thing, Body Art Education by Ryan Willett on Facebook. Um, I want to talk to the people that are interested in the class, the, the Chicago area piercers, because I haven't really like nailed down what the class is going to be as far as like what I can call it and title it. But I think it's basically going to be that open techniques kind of workshop. I'm going to start the day with a refresher on bevel theory. I've been to Chicago a few times to do paid classes, paid seminars. Uh, it's been a handful of years since I've been in Chicago teaching bevel theory. So I'm going to start the day with a little bit of a, a refresher and an update on bevel theory, but that's not going to be the, the full day. Let's talk about bevel theory to get everybody kind of on the same uh, even playing field. And then let's just get right into open techniques. So again, it's going to be, hey, what are you interested in? What piercing are you having trouble with? Let me just show you. Let me show you how I would do it with a tool versus how I would do it freehand versus how I would do it with maybe something in the middle, a, a receiving tube, a septum clamp for septums or just freehand, just the, just the needle and the jewelry. So I'm gonna be talking about a lot of stuff and it's basically just gonna be like what you wanna hear about. Uh, the main thing is it's going to be limited to uh, about 20 attendees only, very limited space. So if you're interested in that, go ahead and get yourself registered. Uh, I'm gonna have an, uh, an open registration probably by the time this episode uh, airs. So you can go to Body Art Education by Ryan Willett on Facebook. You can go to precisionbodyarts.com slash seminars. Uh, or again, just email me at ryanpba uh, at gmail.com. And I think that that day, since it's gonna be in person, I'm gonna to have to fly out there. I've already rented a, a conference room and a hotel. Um, I'm gonna to have to pay for my food and all that stuff. It's gonna be a $200 day. But again, if you are a supporter on Patreon, I'm gonna give you a, a month subscription as a discount off your, your registration. So I would really love to see you there. I'm so excited to get back to like a live and in-person class, uh, trying to get a little bit of my like sauce back about uh, teaching in person. So I'm really excited, but I'm gonna be following all of the, uh, the state of Illinois uh, COVID regulations and restrictions on capacity and, and all that stuff. Uh, so it's gonna be limited to, to just 20 people. Hi. Hi. Um, so that's it for me, me talking about classes. And I wanted to kind of ask you to, to clarify some stuff because you had a really brilliant idea. Yeah. Um, you did. You have several. You have several. You're brilliant. You're a really fantastic piercer and a smart business person. Mm -hmm. uh, don't say it like that. Um, so for, for me, like I have my, I, I call them like self-booking appointments. People <laughs> can just go to my website and they can say, you know, I want a nostril piercing. I want a whatever piercing. 
Um, they just see what's available and they book in their own appointment. And then we just kind of like, I, I take whatever people want to book. Evan takes whatever people want to book within our studio. Um, but when it comes to something that I consider to be like a specialty piercing where I want uh, as much time as I could possibly need, I book private appointments, meaning I have a separate system. I, people fill out a request form and then I contact them saying like, you know, okay, okay, this day, this day, and this day, I'm going to be offering these private appointments. And that'll basically be what I do for when I pierce children. Uh, from age six to age 12, uh, I want to, well, maybe more like age 10. Let's say from age six to age 10, I want a good amount of time for people, 45 minutes to an hour, because I really want to focus all of my attention I don't want to be distracted by anything else in the studio. So I'm booking those appointments on my off days when we're closed for other appointments on a Sunday, I'll go in, I'll deal with one parent, one child, and I'll give them as much time as they need to make sure that the child gets that special experience to make sure that they're not scared, that there's nothing negative about it, but I can spend 45 minutes to an hour with someone making sure that they get the right experience and that I'm also not stressed and trying to rush into the, the next appointment after that. And we've been talking and you do a lot of specialty genital work. You do some stuff that I still get the jitters on triangle piercings and, and all kinds of other stuff. And like, you know, you have to deal with foreskins and all that kind of stuff over here, which is just something that I'm not used to as a, as a U.S. body piercer. Like I'm not, I'm not dealing with a lot of wizard sleeves. So, um, you know, you're kind of thinking about maybe changing up your model a little bit because you've talked to me about some of your piercer frustrations when you're maybe doing those really like specialty work kind of things where somebody needs a long consultation to basically figure out, okay, what are your anatomical variations, maybe anatomical limitations? What kind of jewelry are you going to need? What kind of questions might you have about long-term uh, care? And a, a big thing, you being a specialty body piercer, you get clients that come in that, that have to take the train, who have to drive, who have to take a bus, who have to travel to get to you. So that means that uh, you might need to do a, a longer consultation to make sure that you can stave off any sort of troubleshooting issues to really give them a lot more education about aftercare, uh, all the different things that might go into, you know, you need to understand downsizing, you need to understand why I chose this jewelry, but this might not be the jewelry you'll be wearing a year from now. So all those things are going to need a lot more time and a lot more care and a lot more attention, which means that it's going to be difficult for you to allow someone to, to self-book in their own appointments for that. So what were you telling me about, about how you want to start maybe handling your genital piercings? Well, first of all, let's re rephrase handling my genital piercings. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> uh, look at how red I turned. <laughs> okay. But how would you want to manage your genital piercing services? I have such a love-hate relationship with genital work more than any other type of piercing work that I do. Yeah. I have come so close so many times to being like, that's it. I'm never doing this again. And the only reason that I don't is because it's like, it's hard to find safe, consistent general work. It's hard to find access to that. Yeah. And it's like. With great power comes great responsibility. I don't know if I'd call it that. It's, it's, I just want, it's one of those things where when it goes exactly you know, like as the client wants and as you want and everything works out great, it's like the best feeling yeah. to give somebody, you know, some of the reasons that people come and get genital work done can be like really, really powerful. Very powerful. And it's not that any piercing can't do that because, you know, people can come and get their earlobes pierced for the first time in their 70s and it can be a massive moment for them. Right. So it's not specific to genital piercing, but proportionately, 
um, with genital work, there is a higher volume of it being of real importance to somebody. Yeah. So there's that thing that's like, oh, but you just have to do it though. Like do it for those like good experiences. Mm -hmm. But there have been so many times yeah. where I've just come so close. Um, and so like it's it's kind of at the moment I work alone and I'm working appointment only. Mm -hmm. So my current system is that you can book in a genital consultation. You can also book in for a genital piercing. But I am very clear, if you just book yourself in for a genital piercing without having done doing the consultation, if you come in and it turns out maybe we can't do the work that you wanted, you are still liable for a portion of that time that you've reserved mm -hmm. because there's a limit to how much time I can block off to That's potentially do nothing. It's very fair. And a lot of people sometimes have difficulty understanding like oh so I have to pay to do a consultation and to get pierced and it's like well no you could just begin to get pierced but then you will you'll be liable for that time just the same as you would have had to pay for a consultation right um, and then some people will then book the consultation and the piercing back to back mm -hmm. but then maybe not be able to get the piercing and then that's an even bigger so amount of time give people an idea is that an hour an hour and a half out so of your day i used to do um just an hour for general piercing mm -hmm. uh, there was no consultation it was just you would come in if we can do it we can do it if not then not then uh, more and more people a lot of people want to do a consultation because they're not quite ready to get pierced but they do want to know what they can have done and what should I do to prepare and how is it going to heal and all that stuff, which is all really good to know in advance. And a lot of people also aren't comfortable having those discussions online and there's a limit to what I'll discuss online. So I then started doing, well, I'll do a consultation, which is, I think, half an hour, um, just to give us plenty of time to talk about everything. And then I cut down my actual appointment of genital piercing to 50 minutes. So I like chopped a little bit of time off of that. But still, that's much. a massive amount of time out of what's your typical workday? Six hours, seven, eight hours? I fluctuate depending. I, I do. Let's like say an eight hour day though. Yeah. That's, you know, taking uh, an hour and 20 minutes out of that where I, I maybe I, not doing any work at all. Right. And zero income. Um, and so trying to explain that to people it can be challenging because some people are like oh so I have to pay just to come in and just to go for this and you're like well in this one scenario yes because mm -hmm. in the past you know when people could just walk in any problem any issue with their piercing anything they want to have anatomy checked not really a big deal to just take a quick look not going to even charge anything for that sure. but in this reality they're having to book a time slot during that time slot. No one else can come in or out of the studio. They're hiring private studio time, mm -hmm. which is different from just, I'm just going to drop in and have a quick chat about this. And sometimes there's expense um, for you, yeah, PPE and bedroll and all those different things. Yeah. So it's difficult. It's always so difficult with general work. And for years I've had this problem before I used to have a system in my previous job where I would say, you know, I don't do a general piercing and a consultation on the same day. Come in for the consultation because I don't want to be doing like, what do you call it? Like prank piercing. You know, when like sure. a bunch of people come in. And do you pierce penises? <laughs> their friends up to get pierced. You know, just that kind of thing. Or people rushing into stuff. And, and I want to make sure that they're not feeling pressured and that they do genuinely understand the information that's being given. Mm -hmm. I would say, well, we'll do a consultation. No charge for that at this point where I was working because this is pre-pandemic time but you have to wait a minimum of a day before having the work done. That's mm. it. And even then I would get kind of, you know, like negative sort of feedback saying, oh, but then I have to travel in twice and I live far away. And it would be like, sometimes you just need people to work with you a little bit. And you're like, there's, yeah. there's I can't have a system where you can just blindly book anything as it suits. Mm. And if at the end I don't do any work, 
I'll just write it off. Like at this point, if you think of it, especially with COVID restrictions, because you still have heavier COVID restrictions than I do back home. Yeah. So if you're, if you have that eight hour day and let's say you're, you can see eight people, 10 people out of that day, you need to be able to make enough money to be able to pay your bills. So if someone is taking up one eighth of your entire day, that's going to be like, that's a massive impact on what you can earn and, and pay your bills with. Yeah. Um, in in this structure, how we're having to do things right now, yeah. Um, and so, I've what I've literally just this past week had to do um, is just turn off my my booking systems for general work and for general for consultations yeah. for self booking because you know what I did was I put that stuff on my uh, my booking system. I included a lot of information. Um, that added, almost no one reads, unfortunately. Added a lot to my my general FAQ. I've even had. You know, people email and, you know, if someone's booked in for a piercing, but they've not done a consultation, I can see that I'll email them ahead of time and say, hey, do you want to let me know what it is you'd like? Mm -hmm. I can give you some information ahead of time. I've done that. Um, sent reminders to people that they need to bring ID. Doesn't matter how old they are. Doesn't matter how old they look. It's a security measure. Mm -hmm. We do take an ID from every person coming in to verify sure. their identity. But that's a safety um, measure for them to verify that they're of age, but also for you to yeah. verify that they are who they say they are. Yeah, that's that's the that's the main reason that it's mandatory. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if you come in and you look like a very mature individual if you don't have proof of who you are, so that we can verify your identity, um, then it's not gonna be possible for you to have the work done. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately that's a safety measure that's had to be introduced because of people. I, I have had people use false identities before mm -hmm. to get away with certain types of negative behavior. That's not a, for instance, it's not hypothetical. We're, I'm doing it this way because that's happened yeah. and that's it. So I have to set minimum standards for safety. Otherwise I just can't be doing that work at all. Mm -hmm. So sometimes with gentle work, that's why I have this love-hate relationship because I feel like people think some of the things that I do are arbitrary when it's like I'm trying so hard to work with people yeah. and I just want them to work with me mm -hmm. a little bit. And sometimes that means, yeah, it's a ball ache having to come in twice or like, yeah. <laughs> I love some of the terms you use slip into this casual conversation. Yeah, it's just a ball ache. <laughs> yeah. um, so like what I'm... Then you say it's my good idea. It's not. It's your good idea. I remember you had the idea of um, you have a separate system for doing your kids' loaves where they fill out a little form and they get put on a waiting list. And then you do like a whole day or yeah. a special morning where you just do that work. And that way the kids aren't overlapping with lots of other work that might, you know, you can stay in that headspace. Right. And um, those kids get an amazing experience right. because I am dedicated to them and them only without having to worry about like, oh, speed it up. I got somebody else coming right. in 10 minutes. So I think going forward, I'm going to try that. And I don't know if it's going to be better or worse, but I think I need to try something different because, you know, like I'll, I'll, get, I'll try something new and give it a try for like several months. And I found that this system at first it started out okay you know people booking consultations and then getting come and then booking in to get the work done which is what i'd envisaged but this past month it's just felt like kind of a free-for-all of just people just well from from what i've seen as your partner um even if i wasn't a body piercer and you would just be kind of venting about your day it's just that i i think like a lot of other service industry things people are just like so tense and they 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 want to get their gratification and they want to have it their way. And when it comes to something as so individualistic as like, you know, well, this is dependent on your anatomy and so many other different factors, 
Like it's not something where you can just like, you know, have a burger with no ketchup. You know, it's, it's not that it's like, you're coming to someone that I would consider an expert who is a, you know, one of the leaders in your field, uh, especially for that particular service, especially within your particular region. And it's like, okay, if you're taking this, this entire day out of your life to come to Forest Piercing in Glasgow to get pierced by Lola, you need to at least like conceptualize the fact that like you're, you can't just go to anyone. You can't just go to someone five minutes away from you. You're making the effort to come to Forest and you have to realize that like, you know, Forest has what they need, like their, their criteria to be able to offer you that excellent level of service. And a lot of that depends on time. And like, if your time is worth something, you can't abuse that time and just have it be like, you know, oh, well, if it doesn't work out fine for me, no bother. I can come back on another day. But that means that you can't earn the bills to keep forest open and, and to be that place where people can, can go to get those services. So you have to be able to have respect both ways. You know, you're trying to respect the client's time yeah. by trying to basically steer them into a, a, a framework that gives them what they want, but also lets you do it in a way that you don't have to tear your hair out. Like you can, you can actually service them better in this way, I think. Well, yeah, um, because at the moment you can book yourself in um, and then people do that. But another thing that can happen is people don't, you know, maybe aren't familiar with the right terminology, mm -hmm. even maybe not been able to do any kind of anatomy check. They might ask fine. for one thing, yeah. but what they're actually going for is another thing that's very common when, when people come in from my studio. They're asking for, they, like, they might ask for uh, a VCH, but what they really wanted was a triangle. And that's something where, like, that's a whole other conversation about anatomical viability and available jewelry and troubleshooting and healing time and et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, that turns like something like I would consider a VCH to be a very commonplace piercing where I can, I can pierce probably as easily as something like a nostril. But if it's a triangle, it's a totally different conversation that I need a lot more time and, and preparation for. And, and those those situations are all completely fine, but those are the situations where I would say, well, you, you really would have benefited from a consultation. Yeah. And then be like, oh, I didn't want to do that. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so now we have to go twice as fast. Mm -hmm. But then a lot of people don't like to be rushed. And I've been in situations where I've said to people, look, I can do a, I can do the full consultation for this, go over all the aftercare instructions with you and get piercing done in 50 minutes, but it's going to be pretty rapid. And some people are very nervous. And I'm like, are you okay with that? Or do right. you just want to talk about it and we'll book the piercing for another time? And when you're nudging them along, they might feel like you're pushing them or forcing right. or rushing so them. I just try and be very transparent and say, like, we can do either. If 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 you're really confident in getting this done and you, you don't have a lot of, you know, like, anxiety around it, we can just power through and get all this done if you can get you taken care of. But if that's not what you want, that is completely fine. Mm -hmm. We can just spend half an hour going, you know, looking at jewelry and looking at aftercare instructions and different, you know, um, possible placements that you could have done. And I can make you a little list of things that would work for your build. You can take it away and look at some pictures of them. We can do that. Just, you know, let me know what it is you want to do. Um, so it's, it's just trying to create, I don't know, some kind of system for myself where I can have any idea what it is I'm going to be doing each day. Yeah. Um, so I think having having a form to fill out with where I can just get them to give me some information in advance. What is it that you want to do? Is this something that you've, you know, had done before or been anatomy checked for? Have you not had that done? What So that when they walk through the door, 
we're at a certain level of understanding with each other. Mm -hmm. And if that level is zero, then that's fine. But I know that it's zero. Right. Or if they come in, they're already, you know, they're like, well, actually, I've got a lot of work done. This is something I've researched quite a lot. And maybe they're a bit more confident. Mm -hmm. We know what level we're at. Because with everything being private, it does put a constraint on things for time. And I don't ever want anybody to feel rushed into yeah. getting general work done. I also can't force people to book a consultation but they, a lot of the time they would really benefit from one, mm -hmm. but sometimes they genuinely don't need one. So it's it's yeah. it's one of those things where I'm still trying to find the balance for me. But that that's the point is that I'm still really trying, and I just need sometimes um, for members of the general public and and potential clients to like just work with me a little bit. Yeah. And if they come in the door and they can't get exactly what what they want, which I had no idea what was, and we've not done a consultation, and you know, and maybe all that other stuff, maybe they haven't read the information that's been given to them. It's like there's a chance I'm not going to be able to do the thing you want today, mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately, that then has a pretty significant negative impact on me financially because of the time that's allocated. Yeah. you know, it's easily you know almost double that of the, the the average appointment time for someone coming in to get some some other type of piercing done. And also I need um, to say it like you do stellar genital work. Uh like the stuff that you that you've shown me, like I, I still I need to bring it up again. Like you sent me a picture of someone that came in and you did a triangle and a VCH in the same session. And they were perfect. Like I don't really like use that term a lot for body piercing because anatomical variations, yada, yada, but like they were perfect. And that was, <laughs> that was one of the first moments where I was just like, Oh, like I, I am not capable of that. I'm not capable of yes, that. You are. No, I know that I'm not. And like, I know that you're being, you're being very su supportive and sweet girlfriend. We don't need to talk about it. We don't need to talk. Whatever. About it was perfect. And it was awesome. I know that I can do a VCH and a triangle on someone, but like for you, that's not like sweaty like sweaty Lola for, for Ryan. That would be like sweaty. I would have trouble putting my sterile gloves on. Cause I would be so goddamn nervous if that was me in that situation. And you just did it with such grace and you, you executed it so perfectly. And I'm sure that client was so happy with it. So don't ever forget that you're an amazing body piercer and you're worth every penny that you charge. So right now in the world that we have, like realize that it's a, it's almost a gift to you. Like if you've, if you've had to be closed for months, if you've had to completely radically change the way that you handle clientele, if you're just starting an appointment only career after 10 or more years of piercing, take it as a gift and, and realize that like you can, you can rethink things. If you're fortunate enough to be the decision maker within your studio, if you're fortunate enough to be the business owner, to be the senior piercer, to be the, the person who's trusted with, with those decisions within a studio, take it as a gift. And realize that like you can just you can you can set the schedule however you want. You can have your moneymaker days where it's just like, okay, I'm gonna have self-book appointments, eight hours, 10 hours, however much you want. You give yourself some breaks, honestly, but you know, those can be your moneymaker days where you're doing your your earlobes all day, your nostrils, your navels, your nipple piercings all day or whatever. But like the other things that really gives like the deep satisfaction to clients and does take more time, you can set one day aside a week, one day aside a month, whatever works for you and your schedule. And you can still give that work without having to be stressed out, trying to shoehorn it in to one of those money-making or bill paying days. Like you can completely redo the entire world of your body piercing services right now. Stop and look at it, take a step back from it, 
maybe get some other input or some other opinions on it. But like, you can just, you can do whatever you want. There's, there's no rules right now other than like safety, you know, uh, you can completely restructure everything however you need to. And I, I'm really proud of you for like seeing that uh, rather than just kind of like retracting to a place of like, I can't give people the service that I want to give them if I'm trying to squeeze them into this self book model change the model up. And I'm really proud of you for seeing that. And if there are other body piercers out there who are going into work really stressed out because they're like, oh man, I don't want to be doing septums on the same day that I'm doing nostrils or that, that I'm that, you know, the same day that I'm doing nipple piercings or the same day that I'm doing earlobes, or I don't want to be piercing minors on a day where I'm, I'm piercing adults. You don't have to just restructure everything, you know, and, and, and do it. And it, it worked for me. It can work for other piercers. It can work for other businesses. And I, I'm really proud of you for seeing it that way. Thank you. I appreciate. I appreciate you. Um, good ideas for me to steal. <laughs> I mean, I stole them from someone else, so it's like you know, pay it forward with stolen good yeah. ideas. So I, I think I'm gonna like set up a a waiting list for general work where people just kind of answer some general questions about you know what it is they want. Because for some things, for example, like projects where someone's wanting multiple piercings. Mm -hmm that could be something where they could have potentially everything done in a session. Yeah. You know, if they're just wanting a couple of things done, whereas before they would then have to visit three times Sure. and we might only have time to do one or two things a session. And it's, you know, I think there are definitely benefits to it. And I think that with something as specific and as specialist as general work, like you can't accommodate every situation. Right. And that's hard for me to understand. There's no formula sometimes. to genital piercings. Um, like I've tried so many different things and they're pretty much always to make the clients happier. Yeah. And to try and make sure that I can give them what they need and whatever like combination I try, somehow it ends up being able to be misinterpreted or like manipulated in some way mm -hmm. so I think just stripping it back to fill out this form if it's work that I can do we'll arrange a time for you to come in and have this work done if not you know I can always try and refer it to somebody else or you know acknowledge it in some other way but um, I think that that's going to work better for me and I think I need people to come through the door having some idea of what it is that they want and me having some idea of what it is that they want sure um, rather than just having people just blindly book you know, whatever it is yeah. that they're thinking of. Um, but the important part is you can be mentally prepared to say like, you know, this might take a half an hour or this might take an hour, yeah. but I'm going to have all that time for someone without yeah. having to like worry about rushing into the next client. Hi. Hi. You're a great piercer. Thank you. Uh, so. You're a great piercer. I am a great piercer. If you Thank could, you. If you could do a triangle and a hood, I don't see any reason you can't do them at the same time. I mean, I don't literally do them at the same time. I don't hold a needle in each hand and just go like... I mean, that would be some sort of amazing yeah. piercer ninja just thing. Just do one and then, you know, just do the other and pretend the other well, one's not Well, I understand the broad strokes of it, but like <laughs> I have not having a vulva, spoiler alert, I don't have a vulva. What? Um, so like it's... No matter how many triangles I do, I'm always going to be really nervous doing a triangle, which I think is a good thing. You know, I, I don't want to go into it just being like, I got this and then like blow it, you know. Um, but like, yeah, you're just, you know, you're exceptionally skilled. That's all. Anyway, let's wrap this shit up so we can stop jerking each other off uh, on a podcast anyway. What? No, anyway, um, before we before we stop. I think we just need to end it on a lighthearted note 
and I've had this balloon. You got me some lovely balloons because my birthday was very recent. And I'm, how old am I? 42 years old. That might be 24 if you're on camera. MDK. Um, so we're going to just, what are we going to talk about on helium? Do you need scissors? No, I got my teeth. So, one last thing to remind people is you can go to patreon.com slash ryanpba and for $15 a month on the Archmage tier, you can get on-demand access to more than a dozen hour-plus-long classes on varying subjects such as draping, uh, needles, tapers, and some other bullshit that I already forgot. So, I don't know. Watch my classes and something. I don't know. Uh, August 8th, Bevel Theory class on Zoom. And uh, September 6th in Chicago, Illinois, live class. I'm going to be doing some open techniques information. And then I'm also going to be going to wrestling shows with TJ Kruger. Uh, so. <laughs> Try to use your American accent, too, when you do it. She's got a really good American accent. Is it working? I think so, okay. yeah. Although it's kind of indistinguishable from your regular voice because it's very small. Hit me with it. I think only dogs can hear You missed the high thing. note. Okay. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of the Piercing Wizard podcast. I'll be back with another one whenever I feel like I have something worth talking about. Can I come to Yeah, I guess. Uh, Lola is basically the co-host of the Piercing Wizard podcast at this point. So thanks for... Stop rustling the, the balloon. Sorry. Um, thanks for listening to another episode of the Piercing Wizard podcast. Uh, go easy on yourself. Go easy on other people. Uh, realize that we're all working very hard personally and professionally. So take care of each other. Don't be an asshole on fucking Facebook. Cause I'm sick of your shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Just to be delicate about it. Some of you on Facebook are cunts to use the British term. So enough. This is probably not good sounding to people that are listening to the podcast on headphones. Anyway. Uh, thanks for listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast. Bye. Bye. Stop fucking recording. Stop recording. Stop recording. I don't want to So thank you as always, Lola. Uh, it was really nice to actually be able to like record a podcast right next to you. Um, if you are a Patreon supporter, you can watch the video version of this podcast and you can see like how disgustingly cute and adorable we are together. Uh, but to update you on some of those travel restrictions, it looks like the, uh, the UK has put both the US and Germany on their green list. So that means I, I should be able to teach at both BMXNet and UKAPP this year. Now I have to figure out the logistics of how I'm going to manage the uh, the tests and the flights. All those things are, are still required, so I'll have to do a, a test at home, go to Germany. Uh, pretty much within a, a day of when I land in Germany, I'm going to need to find and, and get another test. Uh, because just a few days later, I'll need uh, those negative test results to get into the UK. Once I'm there, uh, I think I might still have to do the, the day two test. 
Um, but then I'll be able to, to teach at the UK APP conference. Right when I get into Manchester, though, I'm going to have to find another place to test so that I can actually fly back home to the US after. So it's still going to be a, a bit of a logistical nightmare, but it is possible now. So um, that's, that's the important part. So I am willing to jump through all these hoops. There's just quite a few of them that I need to jump through. So thanks for listening to the episode. I always appreciate all of your support. Uh, if you're interested in any of those seminars, uh, go ahead and hit me up. And I'll be back when I have uh, something else worth talking about. Thanks. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.